Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. Well, this morning we're, we're switching gears a little bit uh, in the sense that we're introducing a new core value. But I would also suggest that like many different times I've considered merging this core value with presence, which is where we were just floating around and, you know, and just teaching on. So in some ways, I don't feel like we're graduating from our previous core value, really just continuing to excavate the truths within that, yeah? the sense in which God is dwelling among us but wants us to experience Him, this, the sense in which He is present, God Emmanuel, but there's more, right? That there's more. And, uh, and so, so this, the next core value here at Harvest is actually worship. <laughs> Maybe you've caught that at different times. <laughs> but it's worship. And, and uh, I, I know that if you're, if you're new to the faith, especially, worship can seem maybe a little bit weird. You know, I don't know where, I don't know where everybody is at. I just know at different times, like there was a time when somebody had, had approached me in there, or maybe it was they approached somebody in my family, but, you know, I, I, I rewrite all the history that I hear and make it my own. So, you know, it probably, you know, happened 15 years ago. It feels like last week to me, but, but they, they had approached us and said something like, do you guys always do karaoke every week? You know, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's weird to the world what, what we do here, you know? It's like, wow, you're, you're, you're singing songs. That's great. And, and personally, I, I, I'm, not the, I'm not really that guy. Like, you're not going to catch me flying down the highway, you know, singing songs. You know, it, it, like, it just, that's just not who I am. In fact, uh, I don't even turn the radio on at all. It's like stone silent. I just, thank you, Jesus. I like silence. You know, and so it's like, so I, I, I get it. If you think it's weird, I totally get it. Like, I just, I'm not wired that way myself. I, I remember when I first got saved, I joined a, a, a large charismatic church, and they had 45 minutes of worship, and I thought, Lord Jesus, you may come back by the time we land this plane. I thought, what is, what is happening in this church service? I just I didn't have a grin for it at all. I thought, we're just singing songs for a very long time, and this is weird and new to me. And so I, I say that as a preface to our message today because I, I completely understand you know, and, and I, I think I would add a sentiment, and it's going to sound a little bit crazy, and our YouTube hunters will probably pause the tape right here, and just this is what will get promoted, but, but you know, I, I can understand why somebody coming into the faith, they would think it was a little weird as well. It's like, wait, let me get this right. Like, you're worshiping God. Does, does that, like, make him bigger somehow? Like, does he feel better about himself because you're worshiping him? Like, does he demand it of his subjects? Like, you know what I mean? Like, this kind of like, like, isn't that, like, I thought Christianity was about humility and like that's kind of weird that God's calling his subjects to bow down and worship to him like does he feel better about his leadership (laughs) you know what I'm trying to tell you is I get it I completely get the sentiment (laughs) and obviously if you've been with us or if you've been in your faith at all for any time at all you know that that last bit was really silly right like yeah of course it's not that last bit you know, but do you know why we worship? You know, do you know why we, we try to, to come into his presence? Do you know that why we've made that a core value here? Do you know why we go 40, 45 minutes or plus, just depending on what we feel God is saying to do any given Sunday? Like, do you know, do you know why we, we do that here? 
Do you know why we do that as Christians? <laughs> That's a pretty good answer. That's why I like Melissa. <laughs> because we get to. Well, let me first of all, just, let me just say this. Uh, God doesn't need it. Okay, so let's, let's put the first one to rest just straight away. Yeah, God doesn't need anything from you or from me. Nothing. You know, God in heaven is perfectly existent as he is. He doesn't need human worship. Uh, the, the whole love triad in heaven worked out perfectly well. He is fully satisfied in his love. He's completely content in his leadership, right? Like God does not need a, a bunch of human beings bowing down. It doesn't make him feel better. It's like, it, you, know, you understand? Like he is fully complete. He's fully perfect with or without respect to human beings worshiping him. Is that fair? Can we say that? Right? And so acknowledging that, acknowledging that God doesn't need it, that he's perfect without it, again, we're raising this question, then what are we doing? And is it possible that worship actually is, you know, while he is the aim of our worship, is it possible that worship is maybe more about us than it is him? Have you ever thought about that? People are like, this dude, I don't even know what he's talking about right now. Maybe it's more for our sake than his. I would say this. Let's start with this. I, I would say that worship is a natural response when we are fully invested in something. You know, when we are when we're when we're fully committed and we're like we're like we're like all in. It, it's this worship is actually a, a knee jerk response to things happening really well. Can I, can I just say it like that? Like recently I saw a post, and you can begin to cue that up. Uh, recently I saw a post from a pastor friend of mine. And how many of you know that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl recently? So, yeah, that's a pretty good day for the kingdom, right? And I, I think it's a good day for both kingdoms. <laughs> you know, but the Chiefs recently won. Most of us were pretty invested in that. Is that fair to say? Like I don't even watch or follow football, but I, I'm going to watch the Chiefs play the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, and, and honestly, like, I, I think I caught maybe two games the whole year, but I can guarantee you I was still on the edge of my couch, you know, rooting for the team. And when they would win, when something would happen, somebody would get a touchdown and Mahomes would throw a good pass. You're like, wow, that's amazing. I was like knee-jerk response jumping out of my chair, a little bit like you'll see in this video. Take a look at this. Oh, no, it's wide, but that's okay. I, I, I assure you, I assure you she's not normally that wide, but that's a little bit tough to see. I, I pulled it off my phone. Unfortunately, it's a, it's a little bit of a sad spectacle. But you can see this. This was the finale. This was when they won. This little guy is beside himself with tears, you know. Like, like, like these guys are so, look at this. Look at the tears. They're like, oh, this is the most amazing thing ever. You know, it's like, these guys were like, they're fully, like even the dog, look at me. He's like, I'm in. Like, I, this is my, he got the handkerchief. Like, he is in. Uh, it's like, worship is like, <laughs> worship is actually a natural, normal response, like when we're fully committed and things are happening, right? Like, and, and I guess I would submit to you that I, I think in the church world, you know, well, unfortunately, that didn't turn out very good. <laughs> I hope you get the idea. Like, in the church world, that kind of response has been ironed out of us. Because this is the environment where it's like, like we can't, you can't celebrate in church. 
And you always hear people facetiously say, Ralph, your pastor is saying you ought to celebrate on Sunday morning like you do with football and dump Gatorade over his head. Oh, okay, that's a good one. I mean, come on, get a life. But it's like, but there's something in the mix of this where it's like, like, it's been ironed out of us. We can't possibly celebrate on Sunday morning. This is where we're supposed to be solemn and serious after all. Well, you, know, you, don't, you, know, you don't get happy in church. <laughs> Right? That can't, like this, can't, this really isn't a place for that. And we've had like a, a century of this kind of religious behavior where we've gotten kind of caught in this, this sense in which our knee-jerk response is to celebrate, uh, to worship God, this knee, because he's just that amazing. Like, like that knee-jerk response that's actually inherent in every human being when they're invested at that level, it's been ironed out because we've deemed it's not appropriate here in this place. Uh, can I just extend some freedom to you? <laughs> it's okay here. Right? Can we just get that out? Like, it's okay here. Like, it's, he, he really is that good. He really is worthy of our praise. It really should be our natural response. Unfortunately, again, we've been trained out of it. There it is right there. Let's get it. Is it, is it, possible, is it possible that we've also... I mean, in addition to just being trained out of it, is it possible that we have lost the sense of how just grand and amazing God is? It's like we, we know how amazing Mahomes is. Like we, know, we know how awesome it is when your team wins anything. Somebody knows real good. I don't know who that was. You know, we, we know that. We get that. That's totally acceptable. But have we, have we lost something? in terms of our awe of God? Have we forgotten how gracious He is towards us? Have, have we for, forgotten how compassionate He is towards us? Have, have we forgotten how, how long-suffering He is over our thoughts and our behaviors that continue to persist? Man, some of us, we've been saved for, forever and ever and yet every week you do something stupid. You know what? And, and it, it doesn't change how he loves you. And, and, and for most of us, depending on the kind of stupid that you're doing, it doesn't even change how much he uses us. Like, have we lost touch with how, how incredible he is? Such that we come in and we, we, we sing words to songs and, and it's like, okay, this is kind of the lame part of the surface. I'm, I'm not really invested in the words because I've, because I've lost touch. I, I've lost touch with, with how far I've come. I, I've, I've, like, I've gotten to the point where now I've been saved long enough and I'm, and I'm a little more on the judgmental Christian side. You know, but the truth is, if I would take five seconds and just remember my history... Right? Like I would remember that I was way over here in the miry clay all messed up and screwed up. There was nothing I can do, but he broke into my world. Have we forgotten that he broke into our world? Have we forgotten that he saved us from our families, some of us? Like, have we forgotten that he's saved us from generational curses? Have we forgotten that he's healed our bodies? Have we forgotten that he's healed our soul? Like, have we forgotten that he's made the investment of his son, Jesus Christ, into our lives to do what we couldn't do? Have we forgotten? Have we lost touch with that? I'm afraid that when we walk through the doors, we begin to get to this place where we're simply going through the motions and we've lost touch with the awe that's supposed to be on the inside of us. And if we were in touch with the awe that was on the inside of us, if we could just remember 
how far we've come because he's dragged us, usually kicking and screaming, that we would come in like that. We would come in with this knee-jerk, involuntary response because my team is winning! Because we're winning, because he's here and present. Like despite my last week, despite that thing I said, despite those things that I thought, he's still with me. He still shows up. His presence is still here. I still get to be invited shamelessly into his throne room to worship him. Like my sin hasn't brought separation because he's washed me white as snow. Like we have got to get the gravity of that and move back to this place where we move into the awe and wonder of a God who is inexpressibly, inexpressibly better than we think, more amazing than we can ever imagine. And allow it to infect our worship because he's inviting us every Sunday morning. He's inviting us into something that goes far beyond the singing of simple songs. Listen, if all we're doing is coming in here and singing songs, I'm the first one out. I don't want to sing songs. I told you it's not in my nature to do so. You know what I do want to do? I want to take this moment corporately and express my gratefulness to the king of my life. Who he didn't have to do what he did, but he did. He didn't have to reach into the miry clay. Like he didn't have to send the, the holy hounds of heaven after me relentlessly through the people who were praying. And, uh, you know, it's, a, it's amazing when you get saved, you start realizing, wait, all these people were praying for me to get saved? Like, wow, that's amazing. He didn't have to send the holy hounds of heaven after me relentlessly in pursuit of my soul. He didn't have to do it, but he did. And I want to come in here. I want to go like, like, like I, he doesn't need me to worship him. He's not commanding me to worship him and this expression. I get to come in and I get to worship him because he's just that good. Yeah. I can't lose touch with that. I can't begin to take it for granted. I have to stir myself up by way of remember. I can't speak by way of memory. Do you remember Mary? who came and dumped her vial of perfume over Jesus. Uh, Luke's, Luke's account, is, you, don't need, you don't really care about all the nuances of differences, so we'll just stick with Luke's account, which is distinct in nature. You know, has this woman coming in and Jesus sitting in a Pharisee's house. You know, of all places, listen, like this is the religious stuffy place. Like, this is the place where you mind your cues, you do all the right things, and here Jesus is reclining, this woman breaks in, and already they're offended. Like, what in the heck? What is, what's this, what's this woman do? How is, she, how did she even get, where's the, where's the usher and security team? How did she even get through the front door? We don't even know, right? Like, but the whole story starts out in this offense, and she breaks this vial of, of perfume over Jesus and anoints his feet with her tears, says the vial of perfume was worth an annual salary. What's your annual wage? Can you imagine blowing it on Jesus? This is the most sacrificial and extravagant act of worship. And she doesn't just, you know, she doesn't just get censure from the Pharisees who you would expect it. All of Jesus' disciples also, also break in. What are you doing? Like, what is this crazy woman? And, and by the way, what makes the story even worse is that she's a notorious sinner. Uh, we, assume, uh, uh, we, we assume she has some sexual indiscretions. Many of them. And here she is breaking in. 
and pouring out an, 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 the equivalent of an annual wage in this extravagant act of worship. And everybody in this religious context is completely against her. Those who you would expect and those who you wouldn't expect. And you know what? She's not concerned about what anybody in the room is thinking. She's only concerned about the one. I don't care what the Pharisees are thinking of me. I already know. I don't care what these disciples who were supposed to be the closest to him, these church people who were supposed to know him, who were supposed to know his ways, who are now looking at me with their judgmental eyes. I don't care. I'm just here for the one. I think God wants to extend this kind of invitation back to us this morning. He he, he wants to extend to us this, this, there's an opportunity here. He wants, to, he wants to invite us to go past all of the distractions. You know, I'm foremost of all, particularly right now, I'm just like, that light needs fixed, the stage is tweaked over here, the, whatever is happening over there, and like, it's, I get, my mind is just blah with all the details of this project. And, you know, I, so I'm probably struggling right now with the distraction zone more than, you know, more than anybody in here. So uh, listen, I, 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 I get it. Any sermon is always like four fingers back, right? But he's inviting us to get past our distractions. He's, he's inviting us to get past what somebody might think of us. We're not talking about disrespect. Like there's a place in worship where somebody could get so out of control, they're like smacking people in the face, like... You know, everybody was kung fu fighting. Like, no, wait, what? Like, I don't, I don't, that's, you know, obviously, like, we have to be respectful. We have to pay attention to our environment, but we don't have to pay so much attention that we're inhibited and we're moving into fear. See, if I'm walking in that front door and I'm actually, in, if I'm operating in the fear of man in the place of worship, how many of you know I'm actually worshiping man and not God? I don't come in here to worship you. And I hope you don't come in here to worship me. I'm going to worship Jesus. You know, and, and, and like Mary, I want to get past the, 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 the cultural ironing out of, you can't do that here. You can't get that excited about Jesus here. That's, you know, that's unacceptable in this religious environment. Like her, I want to press past the religious expectations. I want to, I want to press past the, the scoffers and those who might judge my behavior. I, I want to enter into that King David moment where I'm so excited about the presence of God that I'm willing to strip down to my outer garments, even as a king, in front of everybody, despite what my wife would say, despite what the, the people I'm leading would say about me and my leadership, but to strip down to my skibbies and worship him because I've come to this place where I'm in awe, where I'm awake and I'm no longer taking advantage of his goodness. I, I, I'm no longer just going through the motions, but I'm going, no, you're so good and you're, like, your, your goodness demands something of me and I get to come in and express my heart to you in this moment, despite what people may think. Despite what religion has told me is acceptable. Kids are worshiping right now. (laughs) We touched on some of this last week. Psalms 100, 1 through 5. I want to look at this again. By the way, can I just say this as a preface to this verse, these verses? You know, sometimes 
evangelical Christians will condemn charismatics and they'll say something like, well, it's, it's just a bunch of emotionalism. It's just a bunch of emotionalism. Can I just say, like, let me, let me just ask you. Let's just walk through it that way. Who made your emotions? Uh, is there anything that he made he didn't call good? Okay, so, so emotions are good. And would you say maybe being made in his image that, that our emotions are actually modeled after him? Amen. He has emotions. Yes. Would you say that we're supposed to worship God with our triunity, that's spirit, soul, and body? Yes. Okay, and what's the soul realm? Mind, will, and emotions? Yes. Okay, it's a load of malarkey. To think that we're supposed to withdraw our emotions. We're supposed to come in all stoic. Well, again, it's that ironing out. It's that religious environment. This is the place where we're serious. You know what? This is the place where we're moved emotionally because he's amazing. Like, because we're in touch with that. Like, if that, if that erupts and in, in, in somebody shouting some praise over from the corner or somebody over here just like in a puddle of tears because they are overwhelmed by the goodness of God... That's just a whole bunch of flesh. No, that's a whole bunch of people loving Jesus with their whole being. Can I just say that's okay? Like I can rarely get in God's presence without some tear floating out somewhere. (laughs) Again, it's the natural knee-jerk reaction of coming into the presence of somebody so holy and so amazing and yet allowing me to still be in their presence. He should be overwhelming to us. There's a lot of natural things in this world that are overwhelming to us. Go stick your finger in one of those light sockets. (laughs) How much more God? Creator of heaven and earth. Creator of, of infinite beauty and the vastness that we call this universe. Think about that. And he doesn't restrict me from coming into his presence because I'm flawed. He already took care of that. (laughs) Psalms 100. It says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. And it's he who made us, not we ourselves. We are the people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good and his loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. So a couple of things that you can see in here. Number one, you can see, you can see the endorsement of emotions. You can see the endorsement of passion. By the way, it's throughout the entirety of the word of God. You're like, shout joyfully to him, just not on Sunday morning in the church context. Like, you can do that when you leave, okay? Well, that's, okay, all right. So all of a sudden, you understand that those who are condemning you are actually unbiblical themselves. The, the second thing I want you to see is that we didn't invent this stuff. We didn't invent this stuff. I mean, here we are every Sunday, we're coming in with, with musical worship, and we're singing praise with the instruments that God gave us. Wouldn't make this stuff up. God made this stuff up. Like you could see musical worship actually built into this text. He is calling us to, to sing praises, to, to shout joyfully to his name. 
Right? Extravagant worship was, was his idea. How many of you know it's happening in heaven right now? Like, did you know that even like, musical instrument-based led worship is actually happening in, in heaven right now? Did you know that the devil initially was an instrument for worship? That he himself was a musical instrument? He was a head orchestra guy? He became a tool instead of an instrument, but, you know. You know, we didn't design this. What we're doing is, is biblical. Like, this was, this was his design to invite us into something. Not something that he needs, something he certainly deserves. Not something that he needs, but listen, something that we need desperately. And, and the other thing that I want you to pick up on is this. He's actually calling us, uh, he's created a system that's consistent with his protocol. What's the protocol? Come into his gates with, and into his courts with, right? Every single Sunday, here's what I need you to hear. Every Sunday, we follow this protocol. Every Sunday we walk through here and we're literally walking out Psalms 100 by design. We're coming into Thanksgiving. We're entering into his courts with praise because he's that good. And this protocol leads me into his presence. Every single Sunday morning is an open invitation for you to meet with the God of all of creation face to face. It's written into his design. It's why we do church the way that we do it. People are like, well, why, do we, why do we do all this stuff? Is it even biblical? Uh, yeah, he designed it. I mean, Jesus even entered into worship, singing hymns together with all of his cronies after they broke bread right before he went to the cross. Remember the scripture? Jesus himself was even engaging in musical worship and praise to God. Like, it's in the book. We're following the protocol. This is why we do what we do, Sunday in and Sunday out. And I would add this. Matthew 18 seems to indicate that, that there's something special that happens when we gather together like this. It, it reads it like this. Matthew 18, verse 20 says, For where two or three are gathered together, together in my name, I am there in their midst. Not many of you have been here, you've heard me preach it before, but why in the world would God say something like that? Where two or three are gathered, so you're not with me? I got to have somebody else? Good thing I'm married. Better hope she's saved. Why would, he say, like, why would he say that? Like, what does it say when two or three are gathered? Like, we know he's God Emmanuel. He's, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. And he's like in me. He's God Emmanuel, God with us. Is that right? So isn't he God with me when I'm flying solo as well as when I'm with two or three? Okay, so what we believe is actually happening here is a corporate invitation He's, he's, he's suggesting that there's something that happens when two or three gather together in his name. And I would suggest to you that there's actually what I would call the manifestation of his corporate presence in a place like this. So I, I, this is like, so I, take this for a box that helps it make sense and not for doctrine or some sort of good theology. Okay, this piece right here. I liken it unto this. God is with me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He lives on the inside of me. We are spirit to spirit in there. And when I walk into the room, I carry a measure of him. When you walk into the room, you carry a measure of him. When two or three of us gather, it's like the puzzle pieces are coming together and we get more. Yeah, like, okay, it's, it's not theological. Maybe it is. 
it, but it's a grid for me to understand what he's saying. When we gather together in a place like this, there's a promise that he is there present in our midst in a distinguishable way from that which I get outside these four walls when I'm flying solo. And maybe, just maybe, we find out that this is part of why he's called us not to forsake assembling together. I mean, COVID challenged all of that a couple of years ago, didn't it? Why, well, why, do we, why, don't we just, why don't we just do it online? Why don't we just fly solo from our couch in our pajamas watching a video? Why don't we just do that? Wouldn't that be great? No, maybe, maybe there's actually a design that was meant for our good, for our benefit, something where God says, no, there's an aspect of my nature that you'll only experience when you gather together as a church in unity and in my name. There's, it's only in this place that you'll have the opportunity to experience what is available because where two or three are gathered, there I am in their midst. Is this making sense this morning? Misty, Pastor Misty drank up all my water. That's how she does me. You got to watch her, man. She's a, she's a slippery one. I'm getting thirsty, woman. No, I'm just saying. Just joking, just joking. You know, Isaiah 6, uh, Isaiah has this encounter with this, this third heaven encounter with God. How many of you know, by the way, third heaven encounters are available for you today? I mean, he's no respecter of persons, right? And we read about it in the Old Testament. We read about it in the New Testament with Paul. Whether in body or out of body, I do not know. You know, but I had this third heaven encounter, so he actually went to heaven and engaged with God. God downloaded such a word to him that he couldn't even share it with people. That's some crazy stuff. <laughs> How about we give Bud a hand? Yeah? Bud's so good. So, and in this heavenly encounter, Isaiah says, Ah, thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit is water refreshing my insides. It says that he sees Jesus sitting on a throne. And Jesus has already arrived. He's stationary. But it says that the train of his robe was continuous, continuous tense filling the temple and continuing to fill the temple with glory. So Jesus had already arrived. He had already taken his seat, and yet the glory was continuing to come in. You could say by extension, Jesus had come, and yet he was still coming. Can you... So Jesus had come, and yet he's still coming. This is why we have the prayer, more, Lord. More, Lord. Why? Because you, have, you haven't even like, tasted the little tiny piece of the iceberg. Barely this much. There's always more because when he comes, there's the invitation, there's the availability that he'll keep coming, that more of God will continue to flood into the temple, that we will get to behold his glory in that environment. I don't know about you, but I want an Isaiah 6 encounter where I've come to meet God and I'm bowing at his throne, but he just continues to come like waves and there's more of his presence and we get to go deeper and deeper like into his nature and the love that he has to spill over us. Like, I want more of that. And I'm here to tell you, it's available to you. I just think part of it is we've got to come through that door with a little bit of hunger. We've got to come through that door with a little bit of awe. We've got to come through that door remembering the memorial stones of our life so that we're not coming and just 
just going through the motions so that we're coming to behold his beauty, so that we're coming voluntarily, not just because that's what we do, but because it's something that we get to do, because there's an invitation to, to more, because he's worthy. If a whole family can erupt in tears, fall off the couch, and get the dog all stirred up over a Super Bowl game. Boy, I think that I think we could do better. Now, I don't need the Gatorade. <laughs> Although they've done it to me here before. Just had confetti in it instead of Gatorade. <laughs> But I do think we need to get back to that knee-jerk, involuntary, I am worshiping because I'm compelled. Not because I have to, but because I'm compelled by His goodness. Because I'm compelled by His hand. Because there's an invitation for me to come into His presence and be transformed into His likeness. And I really want to look like Jesus. Amen? Jesus, I ask that you would stir us as we begin to engage in this leg of our core values. And where it's not core, would you make it core? That every aspect of our lives would be worshiped to you, that our lives would be a sweet-smelling incense and an offering to you. That, that you, by your grace, Holy Spirit, you would help us to moderate every word that floats into our brains and wants to float out of our mouths that we would remember that we're worshiping, that our life is worship. We invite you, come be the center of our reality and come, we ask, remind us, we need your help, God. Remind us of the memorial stones. Remind us of how far we've come. Remind us of how incredible you are, how generous you've been, how faithful you are, how kind you've been when you didn't need to be how you've been long-suffering over us, how you've entrusted the kingdom to us though we didn't deserve it, how you bled and died to redeem me because you love me that much. Remind us, God. Let us not just go through the motions. Bring us back to our first love, God. Bring us back to our first love. Ignite us again as we pursue you, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.